Before we open God's word, let's pray. Oh, Father, come deal bountifully with your servant that we may live and keep your word. Help me now that I may engage in nothing in which I cannot implore your blessing and in which I cannot invite your inspection. Grant all of us strength to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Teach us that to walk with Jesus makes other interests but shadows and dreams. Come and be magnified among us, O God. This is our prayer, and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 34. Our text is Exodus 34, beginning in verse 29. We'll read all the way through the end of the chapter. This is the word of the Lord. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Amen. So far, the reading and hearing of God's holy and inspired word, may he add now his blessing to it. I have a question for you this evening as we begin, simply this. Do you ever forget about Jesus? And I know right off the bat, it sounds like a crazy question. Of course not. We're, we're evening churchgoers. You know, we're here at six o'clock in the evening and we, you know, we show up, we pay attention. Of course, we don't forget about Jesus. But, but think about it for a moment. Do, do you ever forget about Jesus? You know, those seasons, short or long as they may be, do you ever live like he just doesn't exist? Live an awful lot like the world? You know, does he slip away in, in the midst of your life so that you, you live maybe with a thought for God and you try to live toward God, but you have this idea, maybe even unspoken in the back of your mind, that, that you yourself have secured your position among God's people. And so you sort of just live with God, trying to obey his laws as best you can, but with no thought of Christ, with no thought of what Jesus has done for you. Do you forget about what he has done. Not, not just, you know, back in the past when you were converted and when you can say the Lord began to draw you along with himself, but even now, do you forget that Jesus is, is still at work? And he, he didn't work one time for our salvation and sort of let us continue along on our own, but that he is constantly at work. 
And He sits in heaven, stands in heaven, and intercedes for us and advocates for us. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to consider a question like this? Wouldn't it be great if our our commitment, our desire for Jesus was so much that we would never forget him? I mean, after all that, that he has done for us, how could we forget him? You know, Christian, your mediator is Jesus Christ the Lord, the one who stands in your place. When you were dead in sin, destined for, for eternal punishment and, and separation from God's goodness, Jesus deigned to redeem you by his very blood. He, he took upon Himself when He came as a man. He, he took all of your sin on Him and suffered the penalty that you should have suffered, but that same penalty which you never could have satisfied. For you, Christian, Jesus was incarnate. He lived a life under the law. He, he died the death of a sinner and a criminal. His body rested in the grave for three days before He rose up from it and ascended into heaven from which He rules and reigns and pleads even for you right now. Time would fail for us to rehearse all that God in Christ has done for us. And yet, even just after thinking through these things and the, own, and the things that are on your own mind, after all that Jesus has done for you, how is it that you can forget Him? Live in a way that denies Him. It may be a silly question for Christians to be asked at an evening worship service in the Bible Belt. Forgive me. But it happens, doesn't it? We forget Him. We forget what He has done. And we forget what He is doing. And we forget how much we presently depend upon Him for all things. This passage points us to the importance of the covenant mediator. It reminds us of how important Jesus is by showing us how important Moses was to the covenant that God made with His people. This chapter closes, and so closes a three-chapter section of this part of Exodus that began with that golden calf incident at the beginning. And do you remember the beginning of chapter 32? What was it that the people said? What has become of this Moses? We, we presume he'll never return. He's been gone for far too long. And so they turned to their own ways. They dismiss their covenant mediator. And now here at the end of chapter 34, as this, this narrative has come to a close, as it were, before the, the building of the tabernacle through the end of the book, God comes back to the people and answers their careless attitude toward Moses by showing them that he is the man, that he is the mediator of their covenant, that if they want salvation, it's only through Moses. Not that Moses, the Moses, 
The one that I have called to myself, the one whose face shines because of how close to me he is, this Moses, in him there is salvation. And so we will see forward to Christ from here. We'll see forward and be reminded that that we cannot forget Christ. That we must not forget him. For in him is all of our salvation and all of our redemption and all of our hope. Really three points, and I'm, I'm sorry for not having better ones. Didn't they, they're, Anyway, they're not really anything. Moses, three points, Moses' humility, Moses' authority, and the third point is that Moses points beyond himself. Humility, authority, and then he points beyond himself. I wonder what the first thing is that you notice in this passage. Maybe you read and, and you, you notice the fear of the people as they see Moses' face shining from being with God. Maybe, maybe what strikes at you is this procedure of veiling his face that Moses adopts from here on out. But the text, the, the, the actual words, want our attention to fall first on something else. Look at verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Before the people's fear, before the veil procedure that he sort of adopts into the rest of his life, the text gives first attention to the humility of the covenant mediator. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone. It's an interesting word um, that's used here. Uh, it literally means that Moses' face um, sent out rays. You know, you might picture that like his face was a flashlight, sort of. It sent out rays. Um, the Hebrew word that's used is actually very close to the same, to, to the Hebrew word for horns. And so you can go look up old medieval art uh, depictions of Moses and see that, that the medieval church really bought into that translation and actually believed that Moses came down from Mount Sinai with physical horns sticking out of the top of his head. Michelangelo's sculpture of, of, of Moses, that's the most famous one you'll find. He's got horns. Um, Moses did not come down with horns, but he came down instead with this face that sent out rays. And perhaps like none of us, he was entirely oblivious to this shining that his face was doing. You know, how, how is it that my daughter can, can run into the room with, with red and blue and, and all sorts of other colors on her face and on her arms and, and just, just in places that, that I don't even know how she reached? And she has no idea that she has it on her at all. I mean, no clue. And, and, and isn't it, it's this sort of, this, this, um, it's this childlike lack of shame. It's a refreshing self-forgetfulness that we see in young people. Maybe very young people these days, it seems to leave so quickly now. That's Moses at the end of verse 29. He didn't know that the face, that the, the skin of his face was shining. 
We'll talk about why in just a minute. But, but we see Moses' humility in another part of this, this matter with his veil. Back down towards the end, verse 33. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put his veil over his face. And we get this presentation in 34 and 35 of, of the practice that when he's with God, his veil was off. And when he spoke to the people after being with God, his veil was off. But as soon as he went back into regular living among the people, he put the veil back on. And it's a sign of humility that, that he's seeking in his regular life not to draw attention to himself. He understands that, that, that the reflection of his visage is just that. It's a reflection of, of another's glory. It's not his own to, to wear out in public as if, as if it belongs to him, that he can show it off. And so when he's not with God and when he's not declaring to pe- the people the will of God, he covers up that glory that's reflected from him. It's a sign of his humility. He covers it up, not to make it his own. And so, so this is where we begin to see, you know, we've seen Moses all, all across the spectrum of, of human life where, where early on Moses was kind of a brash young man, young when he was in his 40s. Um, we'll say young. I'll help you all out a little bit. It's young when he was still in his 40s. He was young, brash, bold, didn't think, you know, he stood up against God at the burning bush. I'm not going to go do that. The Lord said, yes, you are. And we've seen him become more and more tender the further along he's grown. And so now we see him come down from the mountain, and we're going to talk about some of the tenderness here in a minute. But, but we begin to see in Moses what's reflected in Numbers 12. Interestingly enough, something Moses wrote about himself. The man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. He's a very meek and mild man by the time he arrived to the end of his life. A man without gall, a man without shame, a man full of humility. And here's the question. What is it that filled Moses with this refreshing self-forgetfulness? What is it that, that humbled him? It, it is the very same thing that caused his face to shine there at the end of 29. The skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Moses' own attention is not given to himself. It's not even given to the the blessed effects of having been with God. You see, Moses' attention is still all upon the Lord. So it's worth pausing and and making this one comment. Those who are close to God are humble people. The men who know God the most, the godliest men that you've ever met, as you think, think back over your life, aren't they the meekest, humblest men you've ever met? And isn't that what you want? An arrogant Christian has much to learn yet about who God is and what he has done for us. Matthew Henry writes, whatever beauty God puts upon us, we should still be filled with a humble sense of our own unworthiness and and manifold infirmities as will make us even overlook and forget that which makes our faces shine. It's that line from, from the Valley of Vision prayer called the minister's evils where it prays 
and articulates this beautiful truth that, that the glory of everything that is sanctified to do good, that the glory of it is not seen in itself, but in the source of its sanctification. And Moses is not walking around saying, look at my face. Don't you love how I got it to shine? I had to, I had to polish my cheeks for hours to get them to, to reflect like this. No, he's not even aware because of how enamored with God he is. And even when he becomes aware, he, he covers it when it's not a necessary thing to have out. This humility of Moses, this is, this is where I really want us to dial in and see on this particular point. This is where we need to make it stick. This humility of Moses is what, what colors his entire interaction with the people. Matthew Henry again reminds us of, of the last time Moses came down the mountain or a previous time that he came down the mountain. The last time that Moses came down from the mount was with the glory of a magistrate to frown upon and chastise Israel's idolatry. But now he comes down with the glory of an angel with tidings of peace and reconciliation. Then Moses came with a rod, but now he comes with the spirit of meekness. And, and this, this approach, this characterization of Moses, this whole change in who he is, this, this whole reflection of God upon his face is a, is a reflection of our God and of how he deals with his people and of how he comes to his people. Th imagine what the people are thinking. They, these are the people who sinned a great thing against the Lord. The events of chapter 32, they, though they are many, many weeks away from us, right, back into the past, weren't that very far away from them. And were much on their minds and hearts. And they are most likely wondering, how will Moses return this time? Will God be any different toward us this time? Will he receive us back? Or will he still have, have doubled down and, and vowed to consume us in his wrath? And here comes humble Moses, his face emanating the very mercy of God toward these people that he refuses to be rid of. And the same is true for you who are in Christ. This is where we try not to forget Jesus. Be encouraged and take heart that you who are God's people, he will always be merciful towards you. He will always draw near to you if you approach him in humility. You know, you may believe that there are plenty of reasons for God to turn you away. You, you may believe that there are plenty of reasons to fear God's approach, whether it be in, in the reading of Scripture on your own or the sitting in a pew while it's proclaimed from the pulpit, whether it's in the midst of a prayer meeting and you can't figure out what God wants from you or why He would ever hear you because of what you've done. You know, we face as Christians, there's shame from the accuser and there's shame from our own hearts. Sometimes there's persecution from actual people in the world. Oftentimes, it's, it's our own failure in faithfulness, which is certainly to come, and always to linger in our hearts as, as guilt and shame piled on if we will not remember 
that the Lord has given us a Redeemer and a Mediator whose face shines down on us with mercy always. Always coming to us with the glory of God and the mercy of God for the people that He refuses to be rid of. God's work for you in Christ, Christian, it declares to you that you are the Lord's and He will never be done with you and He will always receive you. It's this humility that, that reflects God's mercy and care that is reflected then to the people that points us to Christ, but also we're pointed to Christ by the authority that Moses wields before the people. Let's talk about his shiny face, okay? We're, we're all kind of wondering, maybe. I don't know. I'm wondering. Let's talk about it. Look at 32. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the, the, all the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. 34. When Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. I want want you to see how much the shining face of Moses is connected in this passage to the Word of God. Right? Moses comes down from speaking with God and his face is shining. Moses talked with the people and he commanded the people what the Lord had spoken with him. And he does this as his face is shining and exposed. The shining of his face accompanies the proclamation of the Word of God. So the, so the shining comes, comes to him as, as if the word comes to him and makes his face shine, and then he shines his face on the people as he gives the word to them. And only when he has concluded this, this prophetic work does he put a veil on. And verses 34 and 35 are what really solidify for us that, that this has become a regular procedure in the life of Moses, that whenever he went to speak with God in the tent of meeting, he would remove the veil, sort of... Um, allowing his face to recharge, perhaps. We don't know if his face diminished over time or not. He would come out of meeting with God and speak to the people and and unveiled face, shining the glory of God to the people. And as soon as that prophetic work is done, he covers up his face again. The shining always accompanied the word of God, whether it was from God to Moses or from Moses the prophet to the people of God. Alan Harmon says that God's glory and God's word were conjoined. Moses' face, in this sense, see if you can piece this together, Moses' face was his authority. It was his ordination certificate. Um, Moses' face was his credential to proclaim the word of God to the people of God. And upon that credential, the people were expected to receive the word joyfully and with obedience. Why? Because as they look at Moses, they go, he has been with God. And he speaks for God. Because God has put his mark on this man. And we know that he comes from him. And what is the response of the people? We have to go back up a little bit to see it. Verse 30 uh, remember, Moses sort of, you know, probably excitedly, I would hope, expectantly, you know, waiting on rejoicing of the people, sort of traipses down the mountain. 
And everybody runs away from him. Verse 30, Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. Moses called to them and Aaron and the leaders of the congregation returned to him and Moses talked with them. What are they afraid of? Alan Harmon says most probably that they were afraid of that revelation of God's glory that reminded them of his holiness. Is this the God that will be angry with us? His face probably also reminded them this revelation of God's glory reminded them of their own sin and rebellion and what they had done against God. And so they are afraid. What will he do? This is all. The, the, the shining in the speaking and the reflection of God's word. The, even the fact that that glory, as it's reflected, reflected to the people in the proclamation of the word by Moses, that, that it would cause fear to well up in them, either at God's glory or their own sinfulness, one or the other. This, this is all tied up in the prophetic role of the covenant mediator, that the covenant mediator is the one who reveals the will of God to the people of God. Our shorter catechism talks about it in shorter number 24, speaking of Christ and his execution of the office of a prophet as our mediator says that Christ reveals to us by his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. Well, what does this word do for us? What, what is it when it's revealed that, that happens in the life of God's people? Well, well, in these people, that revelation of God, that revelation of his character, that proclamation of his word that comes from Moses produces in them fear. And it ought to a degree in us to produce the same, a reverence, an awe, a respect, a, a, a humble but expectant worship of the true and living God through Christ. We should come to God with, with seriousness and hopeful expectation that He will bless and will hold us up. As we think about it more particularly, in our regular life as God's people, larger catechism 155 is helpful. The Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means of enlightening, convincing, and humbling sinners. This is, describes what's going on with the people. Moses comes down with a proclamation from God's mountain, with his face shining and the words of God coming out of his mouth, and they stand in fear. This is what it should do in us. The, the proclamation of the Word of God, even the reading of the Word of God, is a means of enlightening us to who God is, of convicting us of our own sin, of humbling sinners before him in contrition and repentance. The, the Catechism goes on and says that, that it's a means of driving us out of ourselves and drawing us unto Christ. It's a means of conforming us to Christ's image and subduing us to His will. It's a means of strengthening us against temptations and corruptions. It's a means of building us up in grace and establishing our hearts in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. You see, as Moses did, so also, and admittedly, it's, it's a, an exploded picture of what Christ does. Christ does for His people. This ministry of the mediator and the role of a prophet, that he works on us by the ministry of the word.
So we expect it. You come to the morning and evening worship where the, the ministry of the Word occurs. When you, when you sit down to read your Bible on your own, you, in all of these circumstances, expect God to do something. This is how He works. We don't wait around one day and hope that God's just going to instantly change me into a perfect-looking Christian. That's kind of how we live our life sometime. Maybe after long enough, I'll finally look like Jesus. No, it's, it's right here. It's in the glory that's been reflected to us, not in the face of an insufficient mediator, but, but in, in the words that are words of the true and living God, that were incarnate in the man, Jesus Christ, God our Savior. So expect this to do something and, and love it and cherish it and obey it and walk with it. This is where God ministers to us. This is where we will not forget Jesus if we stick to this, if we stick to His Word. Lastly, I want you to see that, that this text points us beyond Moses. This is not how it will continue forever. 34 and 35 give us this picture of what Moses will continue to do. Moses will continue to lift up the veil and go to God and go to the people and proclaim and put the veil back down. Moses' mediation here, in its insufficient sense, that, that is, its insufficiency to save, it points us forward to the mediation of Christ. If you want, very quickly, you can open your Bibles over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul actually speaks about this text, um, rather lengthy address, in the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul has, has declared his confidence in God and in his own ministry because of the blessing of God, and he articulates this ministry, which he refers to as this New Testament, New Covenant ministry. And so you'll see here he refers back to the previous covenant ministry, and he's referring specifically here to what we see happening with Moses in Exodus 34, and he refers forward to the other ministry, which is what Christ has brought. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, you can find out that's Moses' ministry, if that came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Right, this, this finite kind of covenant that, that showed in Moses' face, but that was coming to an end, if that struck fear into the hearts of the Israelites, won't the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory than that? Verse 9, For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness, that is of Christ, must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Verse 12, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. What's he saying? He's saying... You can't get the full glory unless you embrace the new covenant which is in Christ. Verse 15, Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, 
a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It may be a cheat, but for the sake of time, I want to read to you what Ligand Duncan says after reading this passage. He says, how, how, how is Christ displayed in the law of Moses? How is he displayed in the covenant that Moses was mediating? And he says, well, in a thousand ways, but one way is this, that he is displayed in Moses' mediation because the law didn't save Israel. If the law was going to save Israel, then Israel would not be here. God would have consumed them after chapter 32, probably much earlier than that. He says, it's the mediator that saves Israel. This is why we say our, the salvation of this Israel people group comes through Moses because that's through whom God is speaking. So Ligon says, that's how you see Christ in this passage. The mediator saves Israel from the broken law. And the apostle Paul says, until you see that, you haven't really understood the glory of the old covenant. You haven't really understood the glory of the gospel. You haven't really appreciated the glory of Christ. Beloved, do not forget Jesus. Do not forget. He is the only mediator between God and man. He is the only one through whom you can know God and walk with Him. He saves you and He upholds you and He stands in heaven and pleads for you even now. Do not forget all that Christ has done for you in His mediation of a covenant that is so much better than the covenant that Moses had. Amen. Heavenly Father, send now for the sake of your dear Son, the Holy Spirit, to write the truth of your word upon our hearts so that we may not sin against you. Come and remind us of how significant Jesus is. Remind us of how much we need him and how much we depend on him. Help us to forget ourselves and help us to always remember him. We pray it in his name. Amen.